What's the difference between a cravat and an ascot? That's the next question of the day. Uh. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> the difference between a cravat and an ascot is as big as the the difference between that question and the actual question of the day. <laughs> Hey, James, you got a question for me today? Do I? I thought you just said it was your question. I thought you said it was... I thought you said it was your question. I have a question if you don't have a question. No, okay, I have a question. I think I asked you the last question. You might be right, but What if we just spend time bickering about whose turn it is to ask a question? Then we won't have a podcast. So I'm going to ask you, what are some easy ways to train your brain and become smarter every day. How do you... What question is that? This is a question that comes from Quora. It's a question... It's 85 answers. So people really... And and 2,400 people are following this question on Quora. So people clearly want to hear how... Well, gonorrhea is really popular too. That spreads fast. Is that saying it's a great thing? Well, it's saying a lot of people... Actually, I don't know. Do people still have gonorrhea? I don't know, but it's saying people really want to know about it. That's for sure. <laughs> I haven't even heard that word in a long time. Can we talk about gonorrhea instead? Yeah, or, or VD. Like, have you heard about VD Yeah, lately? Valentine's Day. <laughs> so seriously, you're one of the smartest guys on the planet that I know really? personally. Yeah. How do you train your brain to you be smarter? you a small planet. <laughs> All right. Let's address this question legitimately. How, what's the question? How do you train your brain to be smarter? Yeah. Okay. Shorthand, I'd say read a lot. I'd say hang out with people who are not like you, which I think is really, as obvious as that sounds, I think it's really hard for a lot of people to do and really uncommon. So for instance, I used to work at the New York Times. A large percentage of the people I knew there would have been very familiar with whatever cultural icon you want to name at the moment, right? Some playwright, some choreographer, whatever, right? Which is fine. That's well and good. But like nobody would have any idea how, for instance, West Point worked and what you actually got taught there. And West Point was, you know, this one of the greatest military institutions in the history of the world, and it was less than an hour drive from New York City. So and to me, what that connotes is it's very easy to get in with a bunch of people who know the same stuff as you and think the same stuff as you, because that's how we build our kind of friend circles. But if you want to get smarter, expand your circles a lot and learn, you can learn something from almost anybody. And then I'll tell you one thing that I have come to believe in more and more as I get less and less younger which is, I believe it was Arthur Conan Doyle who talked about the mind and the memory as a, as a sort of attic. And if you fill it up with useless crap, then when it comes time to put away something that is actually meaningful to you, <laughs> there won't be room for it. Now, I, that doesn't sound remotely scientific to me, but I like the concept of it. And to me, what it is, is about one way to become smarter is to not spend a lot of time and effort and bandwidth, if there really is such a thing, uh, pursuing stuff that at the end of the day is not that important to you or you don't care about. And what that means is don't go with the flow. Don't worry so much about the conventional wisdom. Don't worry what everybody's doing or what everybody's thinking or what everybody's drinking. Really use your brain, which is the most powerful muscle you'll ever have, to be original and to think the thoughts that you want to think rather than thinking the thoughts and acquiring the kind of cultural signposts that everybody else thinks are really important because a little bit of truly original thinking can get you so much further than just learning how to parrot all the seemingly smart things that everybody around you says. How would you know that your original thinking was good or bad? Or or does it matter? Like, is it just a matter of, like, practicing original thinking? I, I think that's a great question. First of all, I th- I'm guessing most of it will be bad just because any, you know, any time you try people to don't invent know that. or create... They, people have, like, a cognitive bias. Yeah, I, I, I think that is a problem. You know, I, I think um, 
The way I learned that lesson was I was maybe a freshman or sophomore in college, and I was a good writer in writing, like, school papers and stuff, and I really liked writing, and I'd done journalism through high school and in college, and I wrote music. I played in a band, so I wrote songs. So I thought, I really thought of myself as a writer, and one day I decided that I wanted to write um, this short piece of comic fiction because I've been reading a lot of Woody Allen, and I, I liked his short comic fiction. So I worked on this short story that was maybe three or four pages long, and it took me, I don't know, a week or two to kind of get it where I wanted. Then I brought it to my English professor, and she read it, and and it was very clear that she thought it was absolutely terrible. It, well, because that, that, that Woody Allen kind of short story style, like you read like Without Feathers, for instance, yeah. um, is a very odd style. Like, you have to kind of really be into uh, it to I don't like think it. she didn't like it because it was odd. I think she didn't like it because it was terrible. Uh. But I, because I thought I was a pretty good writer, and I probably was on some levels, I just assumed, well, oh, I'm a good writer. I can write this well. And that was a really important realization for me that just because I could do this one thing relatively well didn't mean that I could do another thing, even though it was pretty related because it's a different voice, it's a different idiom, it's got a different kind of intention behind it. And that was a really good lesson to me at a relatively early age, which I was really grateful that just because I did something that was me, that was my creative effort, even though I might tend to overvalue that because it was me, that you have to really, really, really learn to not be swayed by your own perceived uh, brilliance. Well, I agree with almost everything you said. We're Which parts did you not agree with? That's what I want to talk about. No, I kind of agree with everything. I would just add to it. So so I do think um, if you want to be smarter, you have to sleep a lot because that rejuvenates the brain, as we've, we've talked about in other podcasts. Also, they do say that sleeping is when your memories get kind of written to your hard drive, and a lot of, quote, being smart is actually having the recall. Because not just so that you remember facts, um, like for cocktail parties or whatever, but so that you can build upon those facts to develop more questions, more theories, more ideas, and so on. But I also think, and I've I've discussed this on my own podcast, I always think the brain has like an idea muscle, sort of metaphorically. And so how long would it take, do you think? Sorry, say that again. The brain, that you feel that the brain has an idea muscle. Right, and this is totally like a metaphor for what's really happening. And so you need to exercise that muscle in order to build it up and get it strong. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is that muscle also atrophies very quickly, like all other muscles. Like if you were, maybe you know this, I don't know the exact answer, but if you were like just lying in bed, how long would it take before you needed physical therapy to walk again? Uh, I don't know because you're, you're. It would be but just like a just like a, a month maybe. Oh, you think it's that long? I was. I thought maybe the a few surprise weeks. answer was going to be a lot less than you'd think. I, I was giving. I was being conservative, but like mm -hmm. fairly quickly. You'll, your leg muscles will atrophy so badly that you'll need physical therapy to mm -hmm. walk in. And I think most people, because we have these, in many cases, not everybody, but in many cases, these deadening sorts of jobs and, and routines that we settle into, our idea muscle starts to atrophy. So what I do is I try to, and I assume my idea muscle is always in a state of atrophy, so I try really hard to exercise it. Um, and I try writing down 10 ideas a day. So I might write down... Um, 10 ideas for a novel that I can write or 10 ideas for a business I can start or 10 ways we can improve this podcast or 10 Can't ways... Can't be done. <laughs> Don't miss the rest of our attempt to answer this question of the day. James and I will be right back after this very short message. I am so excited because we've been doing this in this studio like this, but now we're going to do a live question of the day podcast at the Bell House in Brooklyn on January 14th at 7 p.m. You sound excited. 
I am very excited because you and I... feel I, like your heart is racing. Maybe I want to be social. I want to meet the people I who are listening great. to this podcast. I think they want to meet you too. So January 14th, 7 p.m. We also have a special guest who will be a moderator, Nagin Farsad, the oh, comedian. Oh, she'll be a moderator too? Well, I think she'll moderate since we need a lot of moderation. Come to Brooklyn on, what's the day? Thursday, January 14th exactly. at 7 p.m. Don't screw it up, Stephen. TheBellHouseNY.com for tickets. Thanks. <laughs> So you're encouraging everybody to exercise the idea, function, or muscle more. but And I embrace that as well. But let me just push back a little bit and say, look, there are heuristics or mental shortcuts that are really important. So we tend like to, oh, you know, uh, this kind of activity is uh, safe enough to do. I don't actually have to go and calculate the probability that I will or will not be killed. Okay? okay. There are all kinds of shortcuts that we do all the time. But there are a lot of heuristics or shortcuts that we do of the sort that you and I talk about are bad. In other words, a lot of people kind of stick to the conventional path and so on. So I'm not making an argument that we should not, you know, get rid of a lot of shortcuts and heuristics. But if you're encouraging everybody out there to think more originally and have more ideas and so on, you know, if you put everybody's in the world's brains from very, very, very low gear into very, very high gear— wouldn't that create some kind of cognitive chaos where everybody's thinking that their own way of thinking about something is, if not better, then at least, you know, the no, way to go? because what There'd happens— be no consensus. What happens is, and this is why I asked you if how do you know your original thoughts are good or not, this is how you practice that kind of meta-thinking. So you make these—you've come up with so—look, if you come up with 10 ideas a day, that's 3,650 ideas a year. So maybe one of them is a good idea or two of them are a good idea. So you just get into the flow of coming up with ideas. And I will tell you just—so I've been writing about this for, let's say, five or six years. I will tell you just based on the emails I get, people's lives change in, let's say, three months or six months or whatever. Once that idea muscle really kicks in— it's like incredible what happens because then, for, you know, as an example, I once wrote Amazon, just like a cold email, 10 ideas how you can improve how self-publishing works. And lo and behold, I got invited out to visit Seattle. I got tours of all the different departments in their publishing business. And it was really great and exciting. I didn't get paid for it, but it was just an exciting experience. And as you do this more and more, you start to come up with ideas that people respect and appreciate, and you start to have that ability to come up with more and more original ideas. I don't think we're born, or we can't just sit down and come up with original ideas. I think that's relatively rare, the kind of you know flash of lightning that hits us, and suddenly, bam, we, we have a Although great idea. Although I would argue that a lot of children's questions are some form of the original idea, right? Like trying to figure out the way the world works, essentially, is often an exercise yeah, in originality. I think children exercise their idea muscle quite a lot and quite naturally it does get beaten out of us though as you get in meetings yeah totally and school, and, or, and school beats us beats it out of us uh you know job uh, but you know people also say um ideas are a dime a dozen and execution is everything and i don't believe that either i think a good ideas are really hard to come up with and that's evidenced by the number of failed startups you know 85 percent mm. of startups or more fail that's just the that's just the ones you hear about 85 percent fail and then the other thing is execution is a subset of ideas so you can't, if you have a good idea, 
then you have to come up with how do you how do we execute on this? Well, okay, I have a podcast idea. I need to do this kind of research. I need to get producers. I need to get a studio. I need to save money on all the costs. Like you have to come up with execution ideas that that make your podcast or your book or your project or your business as efficient as possible and as effective as possible. I think that's a great point. I never thought about that as execution as, I mean, a form of or subset of, yeah, I think I think that's a really valuable um, point. So I have an idea. Tell me what you think Tell of me. this. I would love to hear from people listening to this show the one idea that they've had that they kind of have never had the courage or wherewithal to actually try to put it into play. Like their best underground idea. So... If you would um, tweet that, them to us. That could be, uh, so I am interested in that, but there, I want to just tell you a Warren Buffett anecdote. Please do. So a lot of people ask, you know, how do I find what interests and passions I should pursue? Hey, James, how do I find what interests and passions I should pursue? So here, I'll answer what Warren Buffett answers. List the top 25 things you're interested in. Move f- the first five over to the left and take the other 20 and throw it in the garbage. Like, never, ever think about the next 20 on your list of mm. 25. Because you'll never put your full heart into them because they're in the bottom 20 of this list of 25, and they will always distract from that mm. first five. And I think that's really good advice, too, as to um, what ideas and passions and interests to focus on. Where, you might have a good idea in the bottom 20, but focus on the, the good idea. And that's good practice to have good ideas in the bottom 20, but for what you're going to execute on, focus on that top five. All right. I still want people to send to us one idea that they think is their passion idea that they've not been able to get floated yet. At QOD on Twitter. At QOD on Twitter. Give it. Let's give it a hashtag so we can separate and Let's call it um, hashtag QOD idea. So send us um, those ideas. So we can steal them. And then pretend we thought of them ourselves. After this word, hear what we have next week for you on Question of the Day. Do you love our show? Do you love Amazon? Well, we have a way that you can support our show and the network that brings us to you, Earwolf.com, while also enjoying your usual Amazon shopping. The next time you want to shop at Amazon, don't go to Amazon.com. Take the insider route instead. Go to Earwolf.com slash Amazon. That'll take you to the same Amazon you know and love with all the great Amazon.com prices you know and love, but you'll also help us out by helping us support our show. You don't have to pay an extra dime, but question of the day gets credit from Amazon and it really adds up and helps us keep the engineers happy and the microphones turned on. Next time on question of the day. Okay, I do not have a graduate degree. I was thrown out of graduate school. But the question this guy asks is, there's a lot of pressure to get a graduate degree from his parents. How does he explain to his parents that a graduate degree is not the a signifier of success that they think it is. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 